Hey, 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 it's Sky, and we are back for season two. Took a little time off. We are back. Got a little mix around on how we going to do things. Um, I kind of just let the Lord give me a message and send it out. So co-parenting part two is definitely still coming, but this had to come first. So what I wanted to talk to you guys about tonight um, it's another car chronicle. I'm in my car because I have a toddler, and recording in the home isn't always um, the best option for me, and it doesn't always go as planned. So here we are. I'm in my car, getting a little mom break. That's what I do. I sit in my car. It's therapeutic for me. Um, but I wanted to talk to you guys about um, shifting your mindset, or what we like to call um, a mindset shift um, in the therapy world, mental health, life coach, whatever you are. Um, if you're a practitioner that helps people, then I know you know a lot about mindset shifting. Um, and if you read self-help books, then I'm sure you've heard of it before. Um, but this topic came about because I recently had some setbacks um, professionally, not because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, just a mere factor of um, not keeping up with, like, regulations and uh, what was needed to progress in my career. And I wanted to talk about it because it's so easy for us to become super frustrated and feel defeated when things don't happen the way that we think that they should. Um, a lot of times, you know, we set goals for ourselves and we have deadlines to achieve these goals, and every now and then something will come and throw a monkey wrench in that goal or into achieving that goal, and it's up to you to decide what you're going to do when you hit that roadblock. Um, and, you know, my favorite thing is uh, delay is not a denial. And recently I was ready to um, put in my application to finally take my test for full licensure. If you don't know about the mental health field, there's definitely steps to progression. Um, so when you first um, get your license, whether you are a marriage and family counselor, whether you are a licensed professional on that uh, licensed professional counseling track, or if you're a social worker, you have to do 3,000 working hours and receive weekly supervision of 100 hours. Well, in the District of Columbia, they also have 100 additional hours if you want to have your full clinical license and be an independent social worker, which would allow me to finally branch off and open up a private practice and um, do some consulting and enter into contracts with different agencies to provide services without supervision from a fully licensed clinical social worker. And um, where I work currently, they have a school psychologist um, who would be able to fully supervise anybody who was on the professional licensing track for just a counseling. Um, but social work is uh, super uh, specific, and it has um, strict regulations because social work is the oldest profession. So um, they believe that the counseling world and psychology world have different views from social work. And just to kind of give you like a quick um, difference 
where, as in psychology, is very black and white. Um, you either have a specific mental health diagnosis or you don't. Social work is more so the entire person. So there's a lot of gray areas, and we service people um, from that perspective is the entire person. So needless to say, um, D.C. has a regulation where you have to have 100 direct supervision hours, and my supervisor is not on site, um, so the direct hours haven't happened because she doesn't actually work in the building with me. Uh, so when it was time to fill out the application, we ran into that roadblock, and I was really super upset because I had been working on this for a while. Um, I was in a situation where, you know, I changed jobs to get to a specific um, salary bracket um, due to, you know, plans that I made with a, another person, and that didn't work out, and I was feeling like, man, I should have just stayed where I was because I was getting the free supervision, but direct supervision, and I would have been done almost like two years ago. However, um, at first, I, I'm not even going to lie to you guys. At first, I was super angry about it. I was feeling like I'm stuck in a place where I'm not getting what I need um, from my employer. Um, I kind of brought it to their attention, and at first it was like, oh, we can work that out. And then they came back and was like, well, I don't know, because they charge like a 100-something dollars an hour, and if you need a 100 of those, and I was trying to explain to them, I don't need a hundred hours of that specifically. I just need you to hire somebody for like a month, and whatever you would give an hourly rate for that person shouldn't be like super supervision in the face-to-face -face supervision. However, here we are. So I had to really sit with myself and think about, you know, how could I change my perspective on what was happening? How could I take this as an opportunity? and grow from it, and that's what I did. So I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, mindset shifting because I think it's applicable to any situation that you have currently going on in life. So when we talk about mindset shifting, it pretty much is the ability to grow and change and seeing challenges as opportunities. Um, being able to focus on progress instead of results and prioritizing learning over seeking approval and rewarding yourself for effort and not just the outcome. And I was definitely on tunnel vision, and I definitely only wanted to see the end result. I felt like, okay, this should take me this amount of time. I should be done by this amount of time, and this is where we are. And that was not the case. And I really had to figure out for myself, okay, Sky, what what are you going to do now? And what I was able to do was think about it and say, you know what, it's probably because there's something else that I need to be doing where I am. There's something else that I need to be learning. And I just went into, okay, let's be solution-focused about this and let's not dwell on the problem. And being solution-focused means, okay, how are we going to fix this problem and not worry and not even really call it a problem? Let's just find a solution so that we can continue to progress. And that's what I did. Um, and in doing that, um, it is going to require me to, you know, to grind it a little bit and do some additional things that I really didn't want to do. Um, but it was it was necessary, and it was necessary for for several reasons. And now that I'm looking at it from a different lens, 
it's actually probably going to work out in my benefit um, because I've been doing mental health services in the school setting for the last five years, and it's very different from providing mental health services um, outside of a school setting, and I'll, I'll explain that as well. So when, when children are provided or given mental health services in school, it's usually because it's mandated on their individual education plan or um, IEP for sure. So that's usually like special education students or students with IEPs is what we like to say. At my school, we don't really like to adopt the the SPED language because it it has a, a negative undertone and people are super sensitive about um, being categorized at, at that way. And we just have, I like to say we have specific learners versus um, special education students because uh, we have quite a few students with IEPs who are outdoing our general education students and, you know, are in the top 10 of their class and et cetera. So, you know, I think the old school thought of special education, if you're like an 80s baby before they had all these extra regulations, they kind of separated them and they had their own like wing in the school and they were separated from, you know, the the general community of a high school or middle school. And that's just not what it is um, currently. Um Everything now is about inclusion and making sure that they can learn in the same environments and have the same level level of rigor as a student that doesn't have a specific learning um, disability or a special need um, for their ability to um, progress in a general education setting. So I say all that to say, you know, I had to focus on the growth because I had such a fixed mindset on what I was trying to achieve versus looking at it as an opportunity to grow. And because I was solution-focused, I found an awesome mentor that I could work with uh, who has a private practice, and I'll now be also doing therapy that I did previously prior to going to the school with families who are seeking help outside of the school arena, um, and also adults who will also want to engage in mental health services for whatever reason. And I'm super excited about it, you guys, because I haven't worked with adults in, whew, I would say it's approaching like eight years is the last time I actually had an adult session with an adult by themselves. Uh, prior to working at the school, I did family therapy, so I was working with adults, but it was with their children to work out issues that they had within the home, which is very different from sitting with just an adult to work out the problems that they have and how that trickles down to how their child behaves as a reaction to what they have going on. Um, so it's definitely making sure you are looking at growth versus having a fixed mindset. And that is super hard. You know, when you get to a certain age in life, you kind of have, you're just fixed on how you see things, how you see the world, how you see um, interactions with people, how you see situations. And I really had to sit down and, and pray about it. I had to really think about it and just kind of ask God to lead me 
in the right direction into making that um, situation. Um, because when it first happened, I was definitely like, I don't want to do social work anymore. This is, you know, I felt like it was like a cash cow for, you know, local government to keep people having to um, maintain licenses and keep doing, you know, it was just like, I just felt like it was like a, a, a never ending or revolving door and, and that isn't the case. Um, I also wanted to talk about a cool article that I found on uh, mindset shifting and they gave uh, the writer, her name is Liz Hubber, and this is an article that was published back in 2019. She talked about seven shifts you need to create an extraordinary life. And I'm like, okay, how can I use this not just in my professional world, but just in my day-to-day thinking and how I deal with parenting, how I deal with co-parenting, how I deal with everything. Um, And, you know, her first bullet was doing versus thinking. And I was like, okay. So I had to reestablish goals, and then I had to put myself in a position where I could be doing and not thinking about how I could fix this problem. Like, you know, because some people would have called the board and, that, you know, my supervisor wasn't aware and she didn't tell me or my, you know, X, Y, and Z and tried to figure out how to, how was there a loophole to get around it. And that's, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to figure out how can you still get what you need and also grow from the situation. Um, so, so that's what I'm doing. And it also talks about, you know, having a mindset of can versus can't. Um, because I was really thinking, like, I can't take on another job. I'm already exhausted. I don't really have the time. I felt like it was taking time away from the time that I wanted to pour into my child. And when I sat down and thought about it, I said, well, I could do this now while she's younger, and it's not going to be as detrimental as if she was, like, 10 or 12 or going through puberty and really needed me to be present and, and you know all stages in development are super important but I feel like I still have the time um, to make sure that she's getting the attention and the the need from me as her mom so I say you know what Sky you can do this you can work out how you can do this and still be a present parent and it worked out. Like, I literally could set my own schedule. I literally could say what days I'm working and what days I'm not. And it's going to work out just how I need it to. So it's only going to take, like, two days out of my week. So I'm excited about that, too, because I won't have to, you know, do another, like, it won't be like working for a community agency um, where I have to be on call. This is literally a situation where people are seeking help. And that's the difference from, like, when you work in, like, a community-based agency. A lot of the times those people are referred either through, like, court social services, through family services, or whatever the agency in your state is called. In D.C. is called Child and Family Services or CFSA. Um, And when things are mandated, it's a lot harder because the people don't really believe that they need to be speaking with you. And I don't know if any of my therapists are checked in. I hope you guys do check in because you could probably relate. Um, 
you know, when you first started out, I think everybody started out in some type of community-based situation where you had referrals and the people had no intentions of really engaging um, to make changes in their behavior, in their mindset, and things like that. And it could become super frustrating because you don't see progress. And that is one of the hardest things as a mental health professional is when you work with somebody who you know is capable of making changes that would benefit themselves, benefit those who care about them, benefit their children, their spouse, and they just are not willing to, and they're doing it because they have to. Um, and not to say that you, you never see progress in those situations, because sometimes you do, and a lot of that has to do with, like, rapport and things like that, but um, it it just is a different level and layer of difficulty. Um, so I'm excited to work with people who have kind of seeked out this type of help um, in that situation. Um, she also talked about step. I'll just give you the steps that really resonated with me. And when I post it on the blog, I will put the link to this article so you can see. Um, step number six was definitely something that resonated because it was talking about the journey journey versus destination. And she put a quote up there and says, happiness is found on the way, not at the end of the road. And I thought about so many things that I've engaged in and I've done over the years where all I cared about was the end result. Even when I was in grad school, it was just like, okay, let me get through this class so I could be done. One more class so I could be done. One more year so I could be done. And it was like, did you really take in the journey? Did you really hone in on your practicum? Did you really hone in or was it, I just need to get to this stage so I can do what it is that I love to do? And I'll just give you like a quick backstory. I'll I'll go back a little bit. And I'm sorry that I'm jumping y'all, but this is what happens when you kind of just decide that this is something that needs to be talked about. And I would love for y'all to send in comments, questions, um, things of that nature when it comes to like some of the posts that I do or some of the episodes that I put out. But now I'm excited about the journey. I'm excited about learning from this professional, um, my new mentor who is going to not only make sure that I have the best clinical skills to be independently out here servicing um, families and individuals, but also making sure that I learn how to set myself up different from when you just work at an agency and it kind of just, when you're done, you're done. They don't teach you the, the business. They don't teach you anything on the back end. It's just specifically, you work for me, you you get these billable hours, and then you keep it pushing. No, he is definitely about developing well-rounded, knowledgeable therapists. And I think for the African-American community, where there's such a lack of enough black therapists, um, that's super important because I am super serious about mental health in the African-American community and the black and brown community because it's something that we don't really – 
we don't really seek professional help like our counterparts and people of other races. It is um, definitely was a taboo thing. Um, if you have older elders um, in your family who are from the South, they are going to tell you to pray about it. They're going to send you to the pastor to work through your problems. And for years, uh, not until recently, were pastors um, doing counseling. Like, there are now degrees now where pastors have, like, a counseling background. And prior to that, they were just kind of navigating on their own. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that you can't have faith and utilize your faith to work through your problems. But there are people who need true mental health services out here. There are people who are dealing with serious diagnoses that require medication, that require um, a person who is knowledgeable about what they're dealing with and how to help them navigate that because there's there's no mental health illness that you cannot live with, okay? So let's make that clear. And, you know, because we in our families, in in history, and just um, not wanting to address things that we've seen, we let a lot of things slide when people could have gotten help earlier. For example, have you ever heard, like, a family member say, oh, you know, um, Junebug crazy as hell, or he's this or he's that? Mm, maybe Junebug had a real situation and because you ignored it or you wrote it off or in your nightly prayer, you said, Lord, please do something with Junebug because he out here doing X, Y, and Z and whole time Junebug was schizophrenic, right? You know, and that's something that needs to be, one, properly diagnosed and given as a diagnosis because it also opens them up to services that will assist them in living a healthy day-to-day life and navigating as a um, responsible citizen. But if that goes untouched, then you might see Junebug got locked up for the second time because he was in a manic state and went out and did something, or his reaction to a person called for police to be called. Um, We all know just in watching the news and seeing things, we know that the police aren't necessarily trained to deal with mental health and because there have been so many incidents um in the last i would say 10 years um that have been highlighted thanks to social media thank god for social media because if we didn't have it this would still be a problem but now cities are pouring money into hiring social workers and therapists and counselors and licensed professionals to work for the police department so when there's a mental health call they go out with them now um, to kind of diffuse the situation so it doesn't turn into something that is fatal for a person. Because if I have a, if I'm just a cop and, you know, depending on where you live, the requirement isn't much to be a cop. I know here we have, um, I live in a DMV area, so there are a lot of county police and certain counties require at least 60 college credits. So we know at least this person had to take like a sociology class because those are like the basic classes you take in the first year. So they know a little bit about human development, but not enough to decipher whether or not this person is, you know, dealing with a mental health crisis or if they are just truly a criminal. Um, 
so you know those are those are things that have happened over the years thanks to exposure um of people just being brave enough to pull their phones out and record things and and post them and kind of shed a light on our country not handling the mental health crisis that we had um a lot of the people that you see on the street are veterans who came back with some type of post-traumatic stress disorder on top of maybe another, you know, diagnosis, and they are homeless because they were not given the services that they needed. So, you know, we still have a long way to go, but I say all that to say I'm super serious about making sure that I am um, developed in my craft, that I can provide the best evidence-based treatment for a person, a child, adolescent, individual, uh, so that they can develop and thrive. So, you know, the journey is is something that I'm super excited to be on um, now that I've had time to sit back and kind of get out of my world is me and this is so messed up, you know, because when you start seeking out opinions and what should I do? Oh, you know, this shouldn't be taking this long. I can't believe that that happened. And it it just adds to the negative feelings that you have about it. And sometimes you have to not talk about it with people and you just need to sit back, clear your head, and really process it for yourself so that you can have a positive outlook on it and make the necessary steps. Um. And the last thing that really resonated with me was limitless versus limited. And I think I was in a limited mindset because I know that when you are at a certain stage of this profession, you are limited to what you're able to do. Like I can't see a client unless my supervisor wants to have a practice of her own. Um, Maryland just kind of shut down the graduate-level licensed therapist being able to work independently under supervision. Now, there are some states that still allow people who are not fully licensed to provide services independently as long as they are meeting with someone who is clinical to go over what they worked with with that person and sign off on it, but... That's not a thing here in Maryland. Honestly, I really, I really did, didn't want to do that because I feel like people deserve top-notch service, and not, you know, I want, I wanted to be able to sign off on something for somebody and say that they progressed, whether it was because they needed to show it for work or, or, or something that they were trying to do, and not feel like, oh well, let me make sure so and so agrees. No. Mm-mm. Like, when you're dealing with people and mental health, it needs to be all the way legit. And I'm not saying that that's not legit because I don't want to offend anybody and say, like, oh, if you have your own practice and you being supervisor, it's not legit. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that's just my personal preference. Um, but, yeah, I, I was feeling limited, and I'm like, no, I'm not limited. It might take me a little longer, but – the opportunity now is greater because now I'll come out of it with so much more knowledge. Um, and, and when I think about it in hindsight, I probably needed to get my feet wet again 
with doing clinical services outside of the school setting because those goals are so different from, you know, when a person says, hey, I've been feeling a certain way and I really need to talk to somebody. That's totally different from we had a meeting because you've been acting out in class and we're going to do goals around your classroom behavior. There's no there's no way I probably would have been able to go out here and do, you know, individual services without getting my feet wet again. So I say that again to say that I'm ready for the journey. I'm super excited, but I wanted you guys to know that you can change your mindset about anything, um, whether it's a separation, it's a divorce, you know, whether it's a loss, you can always change your mindset about anything so that you can see the positive in it so that you can grow from it. So I hope that in me being transparent and sharing this with you guys that you feel empowered to do some reflecting and 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 gain some self awareness about how you react to situations in your life and how you react to just the the normal things that occur on this thing that we call life. Um I'm really focused, just like I said in my in my update, I'm really focused on me this year. I'm really focused on making sure that my mind is clear and I am not in a space where negativity is allowed to take over my mind. Um, I think, you know, there's so much pressure to be successful and to be abundant and you know you hear a thousand times over about manifesting this and the third and I just want people to know that yes you can have the life that you want but you got to put some work in you got to be positive and you got to be in a state of gratitude and I think I have missed those steps quite a bit um, because I was trying to you know, create things, that, and it wasn't working out, and it was because I always just felt like when it didn't, I just kind of got in this thumper, and I I'm, I feel myself changing, I'm happy that I'm changing, and I, you know, I hope that I could pass these things on that I'm learning about life, learning about myself to my daughter so that she doesn't have to, you know, struggle as much because she knows how to to navigate and do whatever she needs to do. So I hope that this was encouraging. I hope you feel encouraged. And I will check in with you guys sooner than later. But until then, y'all already know what I'm going to say. I'm out.